The film industry in Georgia has everyone talking, and no one with more access and insight into what is going on than the AJC's Rodney Ho. Rodney's work covering TV and radio for the journal over the years includes an excess of 5,000 blog entries with more than 20 million page views. Safe to say he knows a thing or two about entertainment in Georgia. Today he regales Girls on Film with his tales from inside the booming film industry in Atlanta and beyond. Get ready for a great cast with the Girls on Film. Sarah Smith. I am with Girls on Film podcast with Port Wilson. Hey, Port, how are you? Good morning. Good morning. How are you? How are you? I'm wonderful. It's beautiful. We're up on the 15th, 20th floor above the 25th, Atlanta. 25th. Close, somewhere up there. And there's a, a pool, a rooftop pool here at the Lily Midtown, which is a beautiful, beautiful apartment complex made for the beautiful and the rich. That's why we don't live here. Oh, I wish we could live here. With Rodney Ho from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. That's what makes today special. Yes, yes. He is here with us, and we are very, very pleased. He is an expert, and he is going to put us to shame. Uh, good morning, Rodney. How are you? Good morning. He was right on time. Was I? Good. You were. You were, well, early. Perfect. As that, a good journalist should be. I'm not always right on time, so that was actually good news. Well, we have a mutual friend, Ms. Evelyn Mims. Everybody loves Evelyn Mims. Everybody she, knows Evelyn Mims. I know, I know. <laughs> she's, she's the Southeast be... Emmy, uh, she's like the Emmy rep, and she used to work at 11 Live for decades. Yep, yep. Wonderful we, woman. Yep, we love her. She's actually going to be our next guest today. Oh, nice. Today. So that'll be fun. Cool. But um, Rod- Rodney, Evelyn has told me so many great things about you, and Let's she... Let's give everyone a rundown of who he is. I want him to do it. Oh, okay. okay. No, um, because... I know that, that Rodney can tell us a little bit more about how he got into this business, into writing and reporting on entertainment. And, you know, I I was looking and doing some research on you, and now I know how Evie gets all of her breaking information on entertainment. She knows everything, and I'm like, okay, this is where she gets it. Well, sometimes she feeds me stuff, too. Really? Okay. <laughs> you have you have your sources. I, oh no, I just gave away one of my best sources ever, yeah. Ugh, don't call it. She's not going to she's not going to go off on you and, or <laughs> or cheat on you. She'll keep it right there. She knows where to go. She's a very loyal person. She is. Yeah, absolutely. So, I want to know when did you start working for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution? Okay, it's actually two stints. I worked from 94 to 96 okay. uh, as a business reporter. I covered the exciting world of banking and then I did transportation including Delta Airlines, and you remember an airline called Value Jet? I do. Oh, yeah. oh my we did God. commercials for them. Yes, yeah. and I uh, I covered the crash, and then the Wall Street Journal came a call, and so I ended up covering um, small business and entrepreneurship during the heyday of the late 90s dot-com boom, which crashed in 2000, 2001, and then the, then the Wall Street Journal decided, we don't need this team anymore of entrepreneur oh writers, so I got laid off. Wow. So I came crawling back to the AJC, and they had an opening in the features department, and you know how hard it is in the writing world to get into features. Like sports and features are the hard ones to get into. Okay, I didn't know that. And um, I had this, you know, 
resume of being at the Wall Street Journal, so I wedged my way into um, the features department. Absolutely. And I and they gave me, you know, back then we had like 50 reporters, so they can give it any beat. And I, a radio position had opened up, so I covered radio, nightlife, and youth culture. Those were actual beats back then, <laughs> because the AJC in the early 2000s thought we could still chase the young audience. So we had ah. nightlife and youth culture. On the brink of or coming right after the big technology boom. Oh, exactly. Got and it. we were still desperately trying to chase after 20-somethings to read the print newspaper. Kind of comical. How did you do that? We tried. I don't know. I don't know how successful okay. we were. But okay. in 2004, I started doing a, um, a blog about radio because I'm a radio addict. I grew up loving radio. Oh, my God. We have to talk. And, okay. um, and that was just like almost like a... You know, there was very, barely any discussion. It was just like, hey, we need more digital content. So, okay, I love radio. I'll just write about radio. And uh, eventually that segued into doing uh, American Idol. I did a separate blog on American Idol. So I was doubling up on the blogs because, you know, by 2004, American Idol was a big thing. And they said, hey, right. that's, that can create more content also. So I covered Carrie Underwood's year. And then since then, I pretty much covered American Idol every season since then. Uh, but that led to them, you know, having an opening in 2005, was it? Now I'm losing track of time uh, where, yeah, it was 2005 when they had a TV opening to cover TV. And, and I said, hey. I want it. I love TV. Of yeah. course. Who doesn't? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I grew up watching, you know, Brady Bunch and Gilligan's Island and Three's Company. Really the classy <laughs> stuff. I was really Those into, were good. They I was really classy. big on the high end stuff in the seventies when I was a kid, you know. There's not that much to choose from. So you yeah. you know Love Boat. I was I oh Saturday night I was addicted to Love Boat. And what after that? Right after that? Fantasy Island. That was Thank more of a love you. boat. I was a love I boat. Love, I like love boat. I think too. Fantasy Island was a little darker for a seven or eight year old to get into. So <laughs> yep. I think love boat was a little simpler and yep. you kind of knew, you know, that, you know, it, Julie was going to entertain everybody. And oh my God. You know, and then she and was Captain Stubing would be. She was on cocaine later uh, on. Oh, she I was know. so happy. I know. <laughs> What a great, what, what a great show. Uh, it was great. <laughs> who was the, who was the, what was his name? Gopher? Became a senator, didn't he? He did, I, yes. I had a big crush on him. Fred Grandy. Fred oh Grandy. my God. That's so right. So yeah, good. yeah. when, uh, when the actor who played, uh, you know, Captain Steubing had a book out, I, I had to interview him and it was delightful. Very sweet oh, guy. Wow. Yeah. How fun. I know. So How fun is that? Indulging in my childhood. That's always a fun thing. Absolutely. And, Can I ask a quick question yes. about him? I always wondered. Because he's in Gilligan's Island, and then he was in Mary Tyler Moore Show. Yes. And then... Was he in Gilligan's f- Island? Not Gilligan's Island. McHale's Navy. Okay. Sorry. And then he was, you know, great on the Mary Tyler Moore Show. Absolutely. How did he feel about... How do you think an actor feels about going from the Mary Tyler Moore Show, which is critically acclaimed into being the captain on... I think he enjoyed it. I really think he enjoyed being the authority figure, even if it's a goofy show. I think he really liked... It was the so no- popular. It was, it was an, you know, he was an oddly noble man in that kind of silly show. Yep. You know, he never did all the stupid stuff like Ophie did. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so he was always above the fray. And I, yeah, and he was probably getting paid fairly well as also. Oh, yeah. I'm yeah. sure back yeah. in the day, I, I mean, there weren't complain. many, <laughs> it's astonishing back then, all you had were the networks for right. acting gigs, and everybody was a huge star. Even if you were on a secondary show that wasn't that popular, you were still a big star. I mean, remember Battle of the Network Stars, yep. and everybody yep. was a big star. Oh, yeah. Yep. Nowadays, you have 500 original shows, so yep. you're a big star in a very small niche now. There's only, there are no shows that draw 30 million viewers anymore. Yep. It doesn't right. even exist. Um, but even back in 2005, I used to be more of a traditional TV writer. I would review TV shows. 
shows, I would sample all the broadcast TV shows. Like every single new show, I would watch the pilot because I felt I was committed to do that. Even this, even the stuff on the CW or something or the WB. Uh, whatever it was back then. You're right. And, uh, but around 2007, we had some cutbacks. I stopped going to Television Critics Association on the West Coast. Okay. And by then, the tax credits came along 2008. Hello. Uh, I mean, at least the boost, they had 2005. You know, the tax credits yeah. started 2005. It, yeah. it wasn't big enough, so they boosted it even more, you know, in 2008. From where to where? It's like, I don't remember 15, what it was 2005, to... but they jumped it. They jumped it up to 30, right. but they gave that you know where you see the peach at the end of every yeah. film and TV. Right. So that was that kind of got everybody to 30, and 30 yeah. really was like top of the line, and made Georgia suddenly more appealing than any other place. Absolutely. Uh, this side of Canada, and uh, of course our weather is better than Canada, so we had that, and, and I think we provided fewer restrictions. Like you know, we I, I think they didn't even require like Georgia. You know, back in Canada, I think you have to have a certain number of Canadians on crew oh, okay. and on, oh, right. on acting in, in Georgia they gave no limitations you could literally and back then there wasn't enough crew in Georgia anyway they probably brought in like the early shows probably brought in a lot of people right. from LA or North Carolina and other places and we had an airport and too. there was also no cap on, and you didn't the, have to have a passport to get in here yeah, it was quick and customs. easy yeah and people realized Delta was helpful yeah yep, absolutely. absolutely airports right there EUE screen gems opened up um, you know, Pinewood opened up and, you know, shows started coming in little by little. Um, you know, you had... And we had Southern you know, Hospitality, too. Oh, of course. Of course. Yeah. And suddenly I had something else to write about, and that was helpful. That's very uh, cool. And, um, you know, Vampire Diaries, Drop Dead Diva, that was one of the early Love. shows. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yep. Real Housewives, of course, became a massive hit. Yep. All that stuff was qualified. You know, they all got money back. And um, it took some time, but, I mean, there were a lot of not great shows that came here. Um, back in the early days, Necessary Roughness. Do you remember that one? No. I remember the movie. They made a TV show. Uh, they made a TV show in oh, USA. Lord. It was I'm not. It, it was unfortunately <laughs> not notes. not very good. But you know, it, it gave work to EU Screen Gems and you know movies like you know most of the movies that came in here early years and they, there's still a lot of sequels. You know, like really bad sequels. Yeah. Sorry, you know, Anchorman Two and um, Dumb and Dumber Two. We, we oh, seem yeah. we seem to still be a I major like, draw for like for, for sequels. <laughs> bad Boys for Life. We're shooting mm. Coming to America right now. Yep. Is, oh, yep. right. Here. Yep. So sequels seem to love Atlanta. That seems to be and the case. America seems to love sequels, though. It's easy. I mean, look, we're, we're all looking for, we're, we're looking for familiarity. And, of course, who wants to take chances on originality when you can take something familiar? If, you, if you could think of an, a really original show right now that you really like, what, what is it? Uh, I was, the Good Place. I love The Good Place. Okay. That is it is my, good. That is yeah. my favorite show. I absolutely adore that show. What do you like about it? It's just funny and quirky, and you know how can you not love Ted Danson? I mean, it's and the and the other actors, even the lesser known named actors. It's just a well done show gotcha. across the board. And and this is the I think this week they're going to be debuting the fourth season, and I cool. screened the first four episodes. It's hilarious. I love oh, it. Oh, good, good. Yeah. Isn't there some buzz about remaking the Princess Bride? Didn't I see that? This buzz about remaking everything. Well, yeah. Um, <laughs> but I think there's a lot. You know, I think that's that's such a beloved movie. It's <sighs> it, there's, you know, obviously there's always a chance. I mean, Coming to America was beloved, and they, yeah. it took decades for them to bring that back. Right. And so, The Wizard of Oz was beloved, and they remade that. They re, well, I mean, Ooh. remakes are remakes. Sorry. And, um, but there's plenty of original content out there. I mean, you, you, you fo we focus a lot on the remakes because they're familiar, and we write, we talk about them. You know, right. we have MacGyver shot here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but you know, there's so much original great content so when when something comes in people immediately they call you they alert you are, are you on everybody's list I don't think I'm that 
Well, I mean, I'd love if everybody. I wish if everybody <laughs> would call me and tell me everything. No, I, I, I still have to fish around. You gotta fish. You gotta I, hunt. Yeah, yeah, you gotta hunt. Okay. I mean, it's not How do like, you do that? I mean, you, are you, you online? Talk, looking? I, mean, you, I mean, you got sources. You go online. I mean, the, the film office. You got Abby. Mims. The good thing is the film office provides a, a running list right. of productions. Who and do you work with over there at the, at the film office? Um, Emily, I think is. Um, is it the Georgia Department yeah, of Economic yeah, Development exactly. Film Office? Yes. Okay. Yeah, Emily okay. Murray is my contact over and there. And you work with the mayor's film office with all the um, with all the those cities. Folks? I haven't really dealt as much with the individual cities. Okay. Um, I probably should, but. Um, I, no, know, I, mean, I know you've talked to several of them. I know you were at the we production were. partnership earlier in the How month. How do you right? know? Well, because you just did a podcast on it. You did our, You did your homework. <laughs> barely. Uh, I was <laughs> actually barely I was actually listening podcast. to the Daily Bot podcast about Harvey Weinstein this morning. So. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yes. Uh, and then I got to tell you my story about right. Harvey Weinstein. Yes. Yes. I, I don't know Lovely. if you've told everybody in the world here. but <laughs> well, that's It's not that salacious. Yes, it it's, isn't. It's no. really not. It's pretty tame. Comparatively. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's tame. Yeah, you're not, you don't have a Rose McGowan situation. No. Thank, thank God. Yes. Um, but I did have a uh, bad time with Charlie Rose many, wow. many years ago. Oh, my goodness. I found that shocking. You, I, I believed it, but yeah, it's just... many years ago. And I... Um, I was working for Emory then and trying to get like a Coke sponsorship and Charlie Rose and put them together because Coke paid for Charlie Rose's show. Oh, gotcha. On PBS. And um, did not know that. Yep. And I went up to New York and met Chuck Fruit, who was the chief marketing officer at the time, and, and Charlie. And my phone rang in my hotel room late that night with some very ugly stuff going on with Mr. Rose. <laughs> After, yeah, he lovely. called you. He called me oh. at uh, around one in the morning. Oh, and insist Odd. insisted that he be allowed to come by, and then was a little threatening to uh, to my relationship with Coca Cola. If you didn't, br- if, if you didn't I didn't let him come he over, was, he, because he was because one a.m. is mention, always a good time to talk oh, yeah. business, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. He was going to tell them that. That that yeah, he had been uncooperative and et cetera. Holy, that and was and that and I was out. Yeah, I was unco I was uncooperative, and he did indeed call them and shut that right down for me, and that was very damaging to my career actually. Wow. Um, but I did tell everyone I worked Sadly, with at that, Emory. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that might have been only the thirty fifth worst thing he did. Exactly. Know, exactly. Exactly. Wow. Yeah. That's, but that's the awful. funny part was, uh, you know, I left Emory many years ago, and when all of that came out, I started to get emails from the faculty at, at Emory that I had told the story to, and they were like, oh, remember, you told us this story. We believe, you know, we believed you then, but we really believe you. Now we, we believe We really you. believe you now. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. So, so Crazy. I, I hate him. He's a bad guy. He's a nasty guy. I understood. Never cross paths with him. No, not, you don't need to. Ick. Anyway, back to Rodney Hall. Yes. Yeah, we turned it um, around on you. Sorry. <laughs> I know. Thanks for letting me have that one moment of shining glory for my Charlie Rose story. Um, I wanted to ask you, when newspapers started to uh, retract... Yes. How, Thanks, what, Craigslist. I know. What Thanks did, a lot. <laughs> <laughs> what did you... I, because I love newspapers right i have the where the generation the last generation that actually picked up a paper absolutely and um i learned how to speed read when i was working at turner broadcasting every day when i would come in and at the pr department i had to go through 10 newspapers and the wires 
and get that to uh, Scott Sassa, who was the head of entertainment at the time, yes. by 8 a.m. Like, like a summary of, of the biggest yep. hits big, big of whatever, whatever were the biggest news of Yes, the day. anything that had Turner mentioned or that might even have Turner a tentacle. Or might Ex- have some impact on Turner, a competitor Absolutely. or something. Yep. Yeah. And, and opening up a newspaper and like speed, you know. Oh, yeah, looking for speed, certain types of news. Looking for the words that would pop out, absolutely. Um, and then not having to do that anymore, being able to do that anymore, and trying to do it online or on your phone. It's very awkward. It's not the same experience. It's a different experience. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I really miss like carrying that, like grabbing the newspaper and looking at the pictures and the headlines and the whole thing. But when you were you were working for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution when that happened, and how did that affect what you were doing? Did you find that you had to be more competitive or... Were you just watching the the whole operation shrink? It, I'm just it really was, curious. It was disheartening, yeah. Watching, you know, we had three years of successive buyouts. We had 500 full time editorial staff in 2007. We are we have maybe 130 now. Wow. Okay. 75 percent, 80 percent drop over the over 12 years. It's it's humbling, you know. Like like I said, we had two full time fashion reporters. Um, we had a healthcare staff of people did healthcare stuff. We had the person sitting next to me covered pets and consumer goods. Okay. That was a beat. Uh, you know, we had yeah. classical music critic, arts, fine arts critic, theater critic, film, two film critics. I mean, it was it was delightful to have that level of staff. But Absolutely. Now, you know, really entertainment. There's just a couple of us. You know, we're just bumbling so, along with, right. uh, you know, there's more material than I could possibly cover as a single person in this town. And now there's even more entertainment than right. to cover. And it's... You know, what are you going to do? I just have to cover what I enjoy as well as cover what I have to cover. Right. Um, It seems like there's so much information that you can get on entertainment all over the place. That's why I focus so much on Atlanta because I know I I need to provide, you know, I'm not going to just... A unique perspective. I do, and I can't, you know, there's so many things that people pitch that, sure, you know, I could write about Game of Thrones like everybody else, but why should I? Right. Right. And I, you know, I give some super, you know, I've given attention to Walking Dead because it became the biggest cable show for years and that's shot here of course and stranger things is the biggest netflix show and that's shot here so of course i'll give them special attention yeah um, but i can't even cover all the shows that are shot here on a regular basis i can't pay attention to all of them it would you know i can't sit around and watch all the all the you know episodes of the resident okay i don't have the time right right you know, i was interest. gonna ask no you no offense to the resident which is no, not a I, terrible show it's i actually, like that show yeah yeah I like how they have it. They shoot it over at the High Museum. Every Monday, apparently, Mon- Maga- uh, excuse me, I don't know why I said MacGyver, but uh, every uh, Monday, the, uh, they, they, they're not open, so they're able to shoot there on oh. Mondays because oh. the museum is now closed Now we know on where Monday. to go. So if you, wanna, if you see a lot of action around there on Mondays, yeah. it's, they're probably shooting the resident. Yeah. I need to go over there so I can see my guy who's the, the star of that show. I love him. Stalker. So cute. He's a good-looking man. I, he I is. interviewed him in person. Yes. Really? Yes. Next time you do that, I'm, I'll come and carry your headphones or your phone or something for you. <laughs> you know, like Malcolm Jamal Warner. I'll I mean, be your. I can be your intern. <laughs> do you have a favorite or a least favorite interview? Oh, I mean, that's. I had a terrible interview with Gallagher once. He <laughs> really? <laughs> he seems like he'd be so much fun. He was so angry. I mean, he was just. He Ooh. just had. I even asked him, like, "Do you want to call back?" He sounded really peeved, and he he just then he just started ranting and raving about whatever things were pissing him off that day. I mean, he was just an angry man. Wow. Yeah. No wonder he had to smash watermelons to get his thing because he was a truly <laughs> angry man. It was, wow. it was bizarre. 
That's and, weird. Uh, Dustin Diamond Screech from Saved by the Bell was yeah. just a bit of a jerk. I heard many things like that about him. Yeah, and uh, Bill Cosby was... Ugh. And hard to say he was controlling in the interview in the sense that he didn't, if you started asking questions he didn't feel like answering, he just answered, he just went on his own and just talked about whatever he felt like talking about. Total control yeah. person. But this was before the second round of allegations. In fact, I didn't know about the ones in 2005, and okay. I interviewed him in like 2010 and then 2012. And, um, wow. you know, if you, you know, if, you, if he talks about stuff he enjoys, he's very pleasant. But if you start going off, he, uh, you know. But he'll filibuster. He'll like tell you a story, like he's on stage, and he'll tell you a really long anecdote for like 15 minutes. And like I, I think I, at the first interview I did, I think I asked him four questions, and it went an hour because that's <laughs> Cosby. And I think that's his way of controlling the interview. Right. Uh, so wow. you could see that he likes control, and we've learned later control sort of seeped into everything he did. Right. Um, so I can't even imagine what it's like for him in prison. He's probably very likable, and I'm oh, sure I'm, that... I bet you he has a huge fan following. They're all trips oh, and sure around after Oh, I'm sure he's very entertaining. I'm sure you could tell everybody fun stories, and they... they he's you know, got a captive audience. <laughs> Sorry. Ba-dum-bum. Ba-dum-bum. Yeah. It's yeah. ironic, I guess, for him, since he liked to make other people captive. Yeah. Oh, God. Tell me about a story that you broke. Yikes. A story that I broke? I, bro- I, I, I break a lot of, like... You know, local TV news like that's scandals, great. That's you know. great. Oh, like give, recently, give us one. Um, give us one. The local uh, meteorologist uh, Paul Osmond. Yeah. Oh right. He I don't know. he got fired suddenly in March, and I kind of had an inkling on what was going on, but I didn't have anything on the record, and it was okay. hard to get anything on the record about you know what you know. I knew that there were some complaints about his treatment of women. Okay. His comments. I don't think he was physically anything, but I think he's just kind of one of those oblivious anchorman types who would talk about sex in the workplace and not realize he was being offensive, you know? He didn't have He a, thought he was being yeah. charming. Like, and he probably watched Anchorman and thought it was a doc- documentary, you oh know? Oh, my God. <laughs> um, and all, later he sued, you know, he, he sued a, few, a couple months later, he ended up suing CBS 46 for discrimination against a white man. Like, yep. he was, he, you, you read, the, you probably heard yep. about this, too. And it was, it was an interesting turn of events, like, because Sharon Reed was a, you know, had written some nasty things on a note. You know, she and uh, Thomas Roberts were jotting notes down like they were in third grade, you know, commenting about various people. And and somebody found the notes and sent them to this gossip website and they printed the notes. So it became Notegate. Notegate. And of course, you know, they insulted Paul Osmond and, you know, Thomas apologized, but Sharon never apologized for what happened. And he sued them for wrongful termination okay. and then they instead of you know most time corporations say no comment it's a right. personal matter they right. decided to go after him and said hey he was fired because of you know harassment charges against him so they wow. basically put all the dirty laundry out yeah. wow. on him so that was yeah. fascinating i mean it was just like wow that this is never really happened. interesting i mean i don't know I didn't, I didn't i didn't really pull a ronan farrow and come out and i wasn't able to get the dirt and I, I respect Ronan Farrow for his work because that's yeah. really super difficult. And of course, in the She Said uh, book yep. that yep. Uh, you know, about Harvey Weinstein, the New York Times reporters show how difficult it is to, Absolutely. to get, you know, to break through that wall, especially yeah. if somebody's powerful. I did. So, I watched that documentary. Yeah, which was really well done. I but, thought. But um, you know what Paul did in relative terms and his relative amount of power is not nearly the same area as a Charlie Rose or a Harvey Weinstein. He was, he just seemed oblivious. Um, yeah. To me, I don't think he did anything deliberate, but still offensive, if you get my drift in yeah. this day and age. Oh, yeah, absolutely. 
Um, who was well, the guy I, that I had I worked the... in network TV along oh, a lot yes, of different stations. And what he did is not even unusual. No, I know. <laughs> I mean, making you know sexist jokes or ask, was... talking about sex in the in the you know yeah. it's probably not uncommon back in and the day. They think it's charming or clever or cute or, or something. Or hilarious. Yeah. 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 I mean, I'm just being a funny guy. You know. <laughs> what I'm what I'm hoping is that is that all of this um, attention will make things a little bit different. I think it is. Yeah, I think it's, you know, I'm sure the Me Too movement has changed the, um, you know, it's made some people very resentful. A lot of the older white guys probably think that they're being shut down yeah. or they don't know how to be around women or yeah. they think they have to pull a Mike Pence and say, I can't be in the room with a woman <laughs> by myself because right. somebody might, you know, think that something untoward is happening. Right. So, so there's a lot of the dynamics are in shift in shift mode right yep. now. People aren't sure how to deal with exactly with it. But exactly. It does mean that the water cooler conversations are probably not as... Um, riveting or problematic <laughs> do you think going forward though well, power is power i mean whoever's in power and then people get power and it seems like the first thing they do is abuse it because i can make you do anything i want because you want this job so bad or you want this opportunity this, so bad. yeah you're right there's always going to be that uh, that dynamic i can help you with your career if <laughs> yeah oh my goodness yeah i have a feeling that will never quite end even even though men will probably have to be more subtle about it it's almost like racism people used to just say the n-word out loud yeah to your face now it's a lot more subtle you know true uh, so true. so whatever people are doing is they're probably gonna have to work their game a little differently they're gonna try and manipulate people to do what they want them to do you know i think that it's um I have never had any man tell me he was going to help me with my career. I had several say they were going to hurt my career. Really? Absolutely, and be threatening. Yeah, you did in fact with, have that happen. Yes, with Charlie you, Rose, that yes. was a perfect example. So, um, so you got see, the negative. I, so it's the carrot or the stick. So you got the stick end of it. I definitely see, I don't got know the, as a man. I mean, I'm sure people have hurt my career because they thought I was didn't like me or something but nobody ever threatened me with that or oh, no. that, you know i got threatened several times and really? i actually got demoted mm -hmm. um one time because uh one of the big 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 donors at emory you know i'm saying it i'm saying it one of the big donors at emory university complained about me after making advances that were rejected wow and, and i'm going to say who it is too um this is mr herb allen who is a director on the board of coca-cola still alive he is still okay. alive. wow you're calling out names. i am yeah. i'm gonna call him out <laughs> and uh if anything happens here rodney you got it first okay you got it first wow. um he runs the sun valley utah media conference every year that's attended by zuckerberg and the oh, murdochs wow. etc and has one of the biggest um financing uh, companies in the world they did the Disney deal with um, ABC Disney and then the NBC Universal deal wow. um, and he complained about me to the university and then I was I was I was moved wow. away from my big job to a very sideline job and then six months later I got another job offer somewhere and I left Wow! and that was directly because you know in his mind he that. probably thinks he's being proactive you know what I mean oh he was mad I know Ooh, he was so mad he, he was I was at oh, his office and he was so mad I made the made an advance and I was like no 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 and and then he was incredibly angry and I felt the wrath Wow, that's wild. it really, really damaged me. Well, I've never overseen people. I've never had any level of power, so I've never even been in a position to do anything that ridiculous. So You've got a voice, though. Yeah, I, I'm, can... a, I'm a, I'm a gossip, and I'm a, I'm a, yeah. A lot of people hate my guts because I'm 
I write you're stuff. Because you a reporter. And, uh, yeah, so how do you deal and with that? I can that? be mildly sarcastic, I guess, sometimes. Like, sometimes <laughs> I'll write stuff I don't even realize I'm being sarcastic, or they'll overread whatever I'm writing as if Looking every, word, every <laughs> oh, word I write okay. has some sort of extra meaning to it. That's easy to do when you have a big, big ego. And a lot of these people have egos, yes. Yeah, absolutely. In, you know, they're very, very insecure. Yep. You know, even you know, radio personalities, TV personalities. Sure. And, and their reputations are, are matter. Yeah. yeah Love talking with you, Rodney, today. But we're gonna we're gonna talk to um, Taylor here from the Lily right now. And welcome, Taylor. Taylor. Yes, Hi. yes. Thank you for having me, Taylor. Tell us. I mean, we 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 talked a little bit about the Lily when we first started the podcast, mm -hmm. and. Uh, told people what a beautiful space we were in on the roof, at the, you know, on the rooftop, and how gorgeous it was. But I would love to hear um, from you about what are some of the things that the Lily is doing right now. Absolutely. So I think living here at Lily in our community is the perfect combination of convenience, being in the heart of Midtown with yeah. having the same luxury boutique feel that you may get in other areas in Atlanta, right, really right. other cities across the U.S., um, as you can see here on our beautiful rooftop, we have the most amazing views. It's gorgeous, Atlanta. folks. Check out their Instagram, our Instagram, and yours so for, we're, for some pics. Yes. So we're at Lily Midtown. We are constantly fe featuring different views from our community and all of our spaces as well. From our rooftop here, we have 360 views going east towards Stone Mountain and Pont City Market, north down Peachtree. You can see Kennesaw Mountain, West Midtown, all of yep. Atlantic Station downtown Atlanta it's beautiful right and and there's a fireplace here in the middle yes, of the do. lounge with some beautiful beautiful couches velvet and uh the curtains are lovely the windows are ginormous the views the, are awesome the pool uh through the through the view here is is amazing and it's got big doors that can open up so if you want to open up the inside to the outside you can it just it looks it's very versatile and it actually feels kind of, in a weird way, homey, like oh, comfortable. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. We spent a lot of time making sure we cater that feeling to all of our residents okay. here and visitors as well. Yep. And the space that we're in is so versatile as well. We've hosted resident events from a Wine Wednesday every Wednesday, where we do open these two sliding doors out. Now so that it's gotten nice. a lot cooler to yeah. you, that's wonderful to have Wednesday yep. evenings. Yep. And the sunset up here is gorgeous. I bet. We've had fashion shows, pop-up shops, catered breakfasts, the Emmys for Truth Talk. Yep. So this space definitely gets a lot of use. I was there for that Truth Talk. I came. It was incredible, wasn't it? Yeah, it was amazing. And the crowd was really happy. And the thing about being up here that I loved was that there are different spaces for networking. And it was just, but the flow is amazing. Oh, yeah. So it's just, it's beautiful. If you see an event at the Lily Midtown, you guys need to come in and check it out. And um, the last time we recorded here, we recorded with the executive producer of The Walking Dead, and we were in one of your beautiful apartments. It was a one-bedroom. Corner. Mm -hmm. it was, They're all corners, aren't they? So the way that the architects designed the building, we've switched the balcony placement on a lot of our homes so that every single one will feel like a corner okay. unit. Okay. Nice. Well, the the um, finishes, everything is just so rich and beautifully put together. Thank you. Um, 
yeah, I wanted, I had a fantasy that I wasn't married. I was single and I was like, a, I was thinking the same thing. Yeah, I, was like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> I live here. I live second here. home is always an option. Oh my God. God. Yep. No, Great it would, bachelor pad. Yeah. Yep. Yep. My <laughs> husband works at the American Cancer Society. So if we ever left our lovely home in Decatur, uh, this would be an option for sure. Oh, very and he could walk to work. Yes, the yeah. walkability here, I live here as well. And oh, you do? Nice. I do. And I have the east-facing view so, towards Stone Mountain, so nice. I have the sunrise in the morning, and then I can come up here for the sunset. Nice. But my favorite thing about Lily has been the walkability. Um, yeah. We are so convenient to all the new restaurants, the oh, Fox yeah. Theater across the street, everything that's really just booming, for lack of a better word, on Peachtree yep. Street. Yep. But it still feels like a neighborhood. Right. And, you know, I was walking a little bit, you know, earlier this morning, and um, it doesn't feel like you know New York, where you you know yeah. you're crowded and you're cramped in, and it smells bad. It it just was nice. Mm-hmm. It was just was really nice. Peachtree Street is beautiful, and oh, you've absolutely. got the Georgian Terrace right next door, and the Fox Theater, which mm-hmm. is always doing something new, and is a beautiful, beautiful and theater. Georgia Tech's right there. Yep, I mean. yep. Got a lot of um wonderful wonderful uh neighbors absolutely and a great hospital if you need to go to the hospital that's always important people do emory university hospital grady everything's right here so convenient and gorgeous yes do you have anything else you want to tell us about the lily because we've loved being here today Definitely always want to capitalize on our design. We are a very sleek Scandinavian modern design. Beautiful. Very much so about clean lines, yep. very high-end finishes. For yep. example, all of our homes have KitchenAid appliances. Nice. Um, I love to cook, so having that gas range stove has yeah. been a major plus for me Absolutely. since I've been here. Absolutely. Um, and yeah, we definitely cater to that mix between having your convenience, but still being able to live in a beautiful home right. as well. So you get the best of both worlds, and it's really a lifestyle here. So like you mentioned that we have the Fox Theater across the street. Not yep. only are we in a perfect location for it, but we're going to cater events to our residents that kind of fit in with that lifestyle as well. That's fantastic. So, for example, we had an event with the Marquee Club, which is their four-story like restaurants, bars, and whatnot right there at the, um, at the Fox. Nice. Where everyone was able to kind of enjoy some time together and we had a really big group of residents attend and then go see a show at the fox right afterwards oh that's really so, awesome. that's such a smart way to build community too oh, absolutely. Really we have a wonderful community here and everyone's yep. very well connected with each other throughout the building everyone was very nice to me when i was in the elevator today mm-hmm. <laughs> they were they were they are though Everyone they were they said hello really good morning cares. and they were very nice mm-hmm. yeah absolutely absolutely that makes you feel good oh yeah definitely taylor I, thank you thank you so much so much um i have really appreciated the um kindness and the generosity to girls on film podcast absolutely being here i love being here thank and your you. coffee love to is have you. amazing Yes, 24 hours. Love it. Love it. You get a latte, a cappuccino. Let's go, baby. It's all good. Back to Rodney. Back to Rodney. There's one syndicated radio host here who you know, had a reputation of firing women and had issues with females on his 
morning show and one time in the most awkward fashion he criticized me in front of his entire morning staff about you know how I wrote and you know he literally asked everybody you know don't I treat all you guys really well like Ugh. he literally asked that to his staff in front of and me went, oh yeah oh and what were they supposed to say right, right? Exactly. of course they're, yeah. they're going to nod their yep. heads and say you are the best boss ever boss yep uh, so super awkward so Unbelievable. that's unbelievable yeah I mean it's crazy how some people get right um you know and I don't have an agenda I mean I really don't I mean I don't <laughs> you know if, if somebody says he doesn't treat women well that's what they say right. you know what am I supposed to say I'm not in the room all the time no but let's go back to um technology and television yes um streaming yeah when when everything starts to break apart yeah we are in a flux moment it's right now crazy we are in a crazy flux moment i don't even I, know how to watch tv anymore exactly i mean and there are so many streaming services coming out I, my my mind is blowing up you know there's, yeah. i just i just learned that there was something called quibi that uh never heard of katzenberg it. Okay. Uh, is starting. Oh right! Yeah, we we did. Quibi is that we like did. the weirdest name for you know? And, and of course, they just named the NBC and uh, Universal service Peacock. So we got Peacock and Quibi, and of course, you got HBO Max. Yeah. And and, today, go. and yesterday, go. BET. Well, now it's HBO Max. That's oh. the big one. Okay. Because it's Max. Uh, <laughs> and then you've got <laughs> BET. BET yesterday just started their own streaming service called BET Plus. BET Plus. <laughs> So plus is a popular edition. So so now literally it's like people are complaining. It's like I have so many different streaming services and maybe they'll just bundle the streaming services and that will sound vaguely familiar like right. bundling cable networks Hello. and turning it into a, you know. Yeah. You know, so it's basically, I'm sure these streaming services will bundle themselves and, okay. it'll, and you'll end up paying just as much as you did yep. when you paid for cable. It's yep. going to be the same sequence of events because who wants to pay for five different streaming services uh -uh. you know for 10 I bucks have, each um, and you end right. up paying 50 dollars a month and uh i have um roku okay and I, do, yeah. I don't have any other service i just use roku okay do, do you pay for netflix or do you pay i do okay. i pay for netflix hulu? i pay for hulu okay those are the two most common i pay for amazon okay Prime. Yeah, right. I do. Prime those video. all three of them. Those three. Of course, but you're getting free shipping too, so you get yeah. a bonus. For and that. then sometimes, you the, know, again the top three, I think you just named. You yeah, know. yeah. And then so Amazon, I like kind of because it has other networks that you can, right? Buy, you can purchase, you know, just for a little while. Oh, that's or, true. Right. Like have that Cinemax or Stars or you know, because I like to watch Outlander, but it's not on all year. Right. Um, yeah, we did that for but Game of Thrones. But it gets complicated. You know, for right? HBO, too. You know yeah. what's fascinating is not just original content, but the fact that these, you know, Netflix was losing The Office and they were losing Friends, so they decided yep. to spend a gazillion dollars um, on Seinfeld rights. Right, right. They just and landed these that yesterday, these are shows that haven't been they? around for, you know, Seinfeld ended to over 20 years ago, yet yep. it's still valuable enough that Absolutely. in the streaming world because people like to watch familiar things. Apparently, like 11% of all minutes watched on Netflix are Friends in the Office. 11% oh of all God. the minutes are those two shows that are broadcast network shows with hundreds of episodes. Yep. Very familiar shows, right. very comforting shows yeah. that take probably very little mental exercise. You know, it's probably because right. you're watching Orange is the New Black or House of Cards. It takes a lot more Game of Thrones, a lot more effort to watch yeah. the show. Right. 
But if you're watching The Office, or it's almost like the Brady Bunch of those older, you don't have to spend any mental energy. It's almost like a, yeah. a you know. There's something too about multitasking and having the television on. Correct, and you, yeah. and you don't want to feel like you're yeah. missing it. Right. So you put on. This is what like, I do. You put on something that's kind of like that. Yeah, because if you're watching Mindhunter or something, you almost feel obligated. You got to watch the you screen. Have to. You got to catch everything. If you're watching Friends, who cares? You're, you know, you kind of, you kind of know the plot already. I've already seen that. Yeah, you can peek in for three minutes, laugh at Joey, move on. Absolutely. And and Friends is huge with teenagers now. They're binge watching. Fascinating that teenagers love Friends because there's nothing quite like Friends today. I think there's so many niche shows that only a small number of people like. And Friends was meant to be a broad mainstream show, meant for 30 or 40 million people to watch every week. And I think maybe there's some, and it's funny that they like them because these, you know, this was before smartphones they're still using you know old it's just good it's good old-fashioned entertainment it is it's just and there's no politics they don't make references to current events right Right. which is kind of nice so you don't you know it's kind of timeless in a weird way even though it's not timeless because some of it's dated you know some of the treatment about trans and right you know, they, they, there are some people who complain that it's dated. Of course it's dated, you know, but <laughs> what, what do you expect it's that? So Ross had, makes gay jokes about his lesbian wife, you know. What are you going to do? How do you <laughs> that was 1994. <laughs> shows that come out that, like you were talking about, so many different networks. You hear a show, it's great, and it's on something you don't have. I mean, it's kind of frustrating. It's like, I'd like to watch that, but I don't want to stream another one well, the Get thing another. is there are 500 shows you just move on <laughs> and there's like okay i can miss that show <laughs> yeah amazing amazing i mean hey i got other things to watch so right. people have less reason to like have to watch something because everybody else is True. watching it so it's much more of an individualized experience and oftentimes you end up going online and trying to find an audience or if you could find one or two people on your facebook feed who like that show and i do that like I love Survivor. Still, season thirty-nine coming up this Woo-hoo! week. Yeah. Thirty-nine, with Boston astonishing. Rob. Wow. Boston oh Rob yeah, you're that. even familiar with that. Yeah, I and um, I have a friend from college, like a an acquaintance from college, who I got to know, who's a Survivor like fanatic more than me, and so I just like talk to him all the time about Survivor. It's like you know, I, I know one person who's a big Survivor fan. I can, yeah. I can, you know, even though nobody in the newsroom, I could, I can't go up to random people and say, you heard, you saw what happened on Survivor last night. Nobody cares. Um, I'll tell you who got me addicted to Survivor is my 89-year-old mother. <laughs> what the heck? Oh, are you still watching that show? My mother is 89 and she watches Survivor like a fanatic. Uh-huh. I think. Uh, do you is, remember season one with Rudy? I don't remember. Oh, you weren't around with Richard Hatch. Oh, wait, Richard really? Hatch, yeah. I remember. Yeah, yeah, I remember. The one with tax evasion. Yeah, he didn't yeah. pay taxes. So he on walked around naked all the time. Yeah, the he yeah. walked around <laughs> naked all the time. That was his big thing. Yeah, no, I remember season one. I remember that coming in after, um, um, what was that? Uh, reality, the explosion of reality it television. It was. It after was. It was the summer of two thousand. It was Who Wants to Be a Millionaire was huge. After that oh, yeah. economic uh, downturn, right? And everybody people were was seeking poor. something. <laughs> yeah, and uh, yeah, that was the start of the reality it show was. boom. Was in two thousand. It, it was the summer of two thousand. It was Survivor cheap. Started. All and then, the networks were were going. Oh yeah, Fear Factor. America's Next Top Model. Yeah, American put your hand Idol. in this big box of spiders. Okay. Oh yeah. Or eat, yeah, yeah. eat something gross. Eat and the guys would always gross. do it, and the women would always fall out right about that eat point. Eat something gross. Yeah, eat yeah. something but gross. But you have things like Trading Spaces, which was, which yeah. was a lovely show. They tried to bring and, it back, too. Queer Eye. I mean, all these Love. shows have been, yeah, they all came back. Trading Spaces is back. Queer Eye is yep. back. Yep. Fear yep. Factor came back. Yep. Every single reality show you could think of from the early oh 2000s God, is back, if it hasn't gone away. Right. Do you feel like with all your experience that, I mean, Game of Thrones, I liked. I mean, I love the production value, but... 
of course they're always looking for it's hard to find something that breaks out like that it's hard i mean out. hbo's next big one is watchmen which was shot here in atlanta uh -huh. they're, they're hoping that that becomes right. the next game of thrones i think they're really positioned you ever have okay. a feel for anything you see a show you think this could really I have no idea. I don't, I don't even try to predict. <laughs> I thought Dancing with the Stars was the dumbest idea in history, and I made fun of it, and of and course it became a massive hit, and it's it still is. around I season know. 26 or something. Wow. So you never know. Um, so I'm, I'm terrible at guessing what's going to become a big hit. I can't. I can't. Okay. Yeah. What's, right what person. makes you cringe? What makes you cringe? <laughs> the Bachelor. I oh, my God. Thank that. you for saying that. I, I, it's so cheesy. <laughs> uh, you know, and the relationships never work out because you're creating a fantasy land. I think I could fall in love with anybody if they place me in, you know, they send me to Paris. Right. And, and, and I don't have to pay for anything. And um, yeah. and you get to just hang out. And it's right. like, what, what a weird way. And then, of course, why do these relationships fall apart? They actually have to live with mortgages and real life. Right. And they realize, oh, we're actually not compatible at all. Yeah. You know? yep. Oh, and my God. So it's fascinating to see that this is such an artificial way to put people together. The whole thing is artificial and ridiculous. Well, it's not 90 Day Fiancés at it. Isn't that not like the worst idea ever? Or the one where they got people to take them on, well, to cheat on each other? I love I that mean, show. That's not 90 Day Fiancé, <laughs> but that, that's, that's actually, a, you meet Something a foreigner and you, and you have, yeah. and because of the visa set up, you have to get married with them within 90 days. Right. Oh, okay. But that is, there are a lot of ridiculous couples there, you know, yeah. and you often oh question God. whether the foreigner is there to try and get you know, citizenship here, or do they really love this person? And or do often, they just want to be on TV? And, and to yeah. that, well, and yeah. sometimes uh, because the foreign guy or girl can't get a job for a while, you realize that sometimes they're doing this show because it's the only thing that pays them. Right. So it's kind of weird. Yep. So that's, but yeah. Yep. And what they're letting some grody person stick their tongue down their throat just for the it's nasty. <laughs> Well, okay. A lot of people do it for TV. I, mean, I know they do it for on almost every show. I, mean, I know. I don't know why. But I mean, it's. I'd rather be a prostitute than do that. At least you can walk away and nobody but, but sees it, you. But in this case, you're know. on TV forever, and and, right. that's, and now the whole new generation is they you know being on TV matters. It's Ugh. you know Instagram followers. Yep. It's 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 part of being a reality star and. You know, there's that level of desperation, I think, that you know, comes it's about. It's very strange. It always cracks me up that everyone on reality shows is a reality star. It's like porn. No yeah. one's an extra. Everyone's a porn star. I'm a porn extra. I, I don't know. <laughs> I, don't I, don't know. I don't even know what you're talking about. But okay. <laughs> everyone's no a reality star. Everyone, everyone's See, a star. Again. No one's just... Oh, oh yeah, you you're know. right. If you've been on a show... And, and it's weird. You know, one annoying thing I have about newspapers you know we're always trying to draw a headline you know trying to get people to read stories and sometimes yeah. some dude who was on love and hip-hop for like two episodes you know goes to jail for you know shooting somebody and they of course the headline says reality star you know <laughs> you know jailed for right. murder charges right. and it's like reality star this guy was on an episode right. for two, and then they right. and so and i find it super annoying and oftentimes when i see stories like i was like i'm not gonna write about it I'm, it's that person you know, Amer you know, this person tried out for American Idol once, was on sh on TV for five minutes, and they write about him, and you're like, why? You know, it's ridiculous. Hey, I have a I have a consumption question for okay. you. Um, when you know, I'm a big music buff, and usually if I'm listening to something new, I'll give it like 15 or 20 seconds of a song okay. or something like that. If right? You're on Spotify or something, or right? Yeah, I mean, I'm really, I really just try to. Like I'll go, it, I That's go fair. I, I, can pretty do, quickly. I do that too. Yeah. And, Does it um, have a hook? Is it? Yeah. Is, what do, do you think I of like the voice? this? Right. Yeah. Exactly. And um, um, I do that with television now because there's just so much to watch, and I find that I, I'm not patient with 
television shows. Yeah, I think everything. I think our smartphone has made us all ADHD. We're all right. Pavlov's dogs. My phone lights up, and I've got to look at it. it doesn't yeah. matter. And then boom, I, boom, boom, yeah, boom, boom, I mean, boom, boom, boom. So I probably look at my phone like eighty times a day. Literally yeah. every time, every right. time it pops up, and I have you know, you know, oh, a new story about this. Yep. Or breaking news from the New York Times. Right. Or, some you know, cursory information. Or somebody's text, maybe somebody's texting me, and it's important. You know. Yeah. But I stopped actually taking voicemails like I basically my voicemail message says I'm Don't not going to voice yeah, I'm not I haven't checked a voicemail in years gotcha. but, and I said please text me because that's the only way I'm going to respond right. I, I don't I've lost the patience to sit and listen to a <laughs> voicemail which shows you how sad my life is in that sense of ADHD I'm just wondering if if writers are adapting to that or changing I have had to be I realize I am you know because I blog and I write two or three stories a day, I'm constantly jumping from one thing to another. So my ADHD, which is probably already there, has gotten worse due okay. to my job because yeah. I'm jumping from one topic to another, which keeps my job interesting. But at the same time, my you know attention span is probably shrunken from even when I was in you know MTV days. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. No, it makes perfect sense because again, there's so much to to look through. Yeah. Um, I am Pavlov's dog. My phone yeah. just lit up, and I'm tempted to look at it, but I'm looking yeah. at you instead Ooh, because you're so I'm nice. a podcast, right? <laughs> I shouldn't even have my phone in no, sight you should, of you right now. You know now. what? While we're going through this interview, I wish that I had my phone in front of me. Why? Because I don't know. I Feel think it's, it's a it, habit. Right? Yeah. It's almost like, wait a minute. I can't breathe. Where's my phone? Exactly. <laughs> I don't have oxygen. Yeah, it's, so. it's sad. Well, Rodney, I really would love to have you come back on girls on film podcast again sure i'm not a girl though i know I hope you realize that i know i do neither is your producer so you're outnumbered in the girls I, on film podcast you had two to one i'm yep. identifying as a girl for today yep. okay. <laughs> but when one of the things that we we are trying to do is feature um people in georgia yes focus on georgia great just and, like me yep just like you very smart that's it's well you know there's so much going on here yeah i noticed there are other girls on film podcasts that are also called girls on film they are but they are a little different than we are because they stick to women's issues yeah i and noticed that so. we we look at everything mm -hmm. and then we do like some sort of series about women like with Turner we went to Turner and we interviewed eight women editors oh that's so cool and we called it women who make the cut and these women are the they only were great. yeah they, they're the only eight female editors editor editors out of like 150 guys over there wow so you know we Was like it nice to, to go back to Turner oh yeah um, it's not the same company of course it's AT&T now it's, it's not Ted's not Ted's company it was, anymore yep when I first came here, it was absolutely Ted Turner's company. Yeah, and it's sad. Uh, you know, I wrote a piece earlier this year when they got rid of the Turner Broadcasting name. It really was symbolic. I mean, it was over. It's already effectively no longer Turner Broadcasting, right, but to lose right. the name, yeah. it's almost like Turner Field's gone. Yep. So poor Ted Turner's legacy has been, you know, sort of wiped away in that sense. Um, when I was 13 years old, I uh, remember this Time magazine coming through the mail slot, mm -hmm. and it had... Ted's face on it and it was all about was, CNN wow it was all about launching CNN and um I still I have that magazine and I was reading about it and he said I can broadcast from anywhere I don't need to go to New York City you know forget them I can do it anywhere I want and I was like this guy is a rebel this guy's a maverick they called him a maverick right I kept that magazine I was 13 and I said, I'm going to go work for this guy. That's so cool. And when I was 26, we moved to Atlanta, and I 
got my job. That's so awesome. At CNN. And, and I got he, to tell he, him my story. And what was he like uh, back then? Because, you know, I've, I've interviewed him only once, and uh, he was already, you know, he older was on and it. mellower. He was on it. He was, he was really energetic. And, you know, I remember um, walking down the hall and, and seeing him and saying hello. He would say hello. He would nod at you quickly. He was, was very observant, and then I ended up working for a guy who was reporting to him. So we interacted a lot more. Yeah, I heard and he, he was, was very hands-on, really, extremely hands-on. He was hands really on. fun. He was really fun, and um, you could feel the energy of the um, innovation uh, at the company. Hey, you're doing something groundbreaking, and absolutely. you know it. Oh. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, and I, went, I left Turner, and I went back several years later uh, when Time Warner had... Right. owned and operated for many years it felt and different. the culture was it was dead mm-hmm. and if you and can you ma- is, is, mm. it must be hard to imagine Ted like now thinking AT&T owns my company it yeah. must be astonishing to him to think that and I know he regretted selling to Time Warner and Absolutely. AOL I think he truly regretted the Time Warner AOL I agree merger. with you I agree with and, you and um, you know he cashed I couldn't blame him for cashing in he was able to use a billion of those dollars to give it to the UN yeah. I mean he yep. I think he really wanted right. to use the money and when Time Warner threw him the money at him it was probably hard to say no <laughs> you know yeah. even though he could have held on for longer no I, I think that you know I knew him and John Malone were very close friends and yeah. John stayed on that board and John was like, I'm going to try to watch your interests And it's, it's interesting. He never, Ted was already, you know, sold the company by the time Fox News came along. So yep. he missed out on all the fun. Oh, I remember when Fox News moved into the building, into, Turner, uh, into Turner. CNN Center. Oh, were they at CNN Center oh, at yeah, some point? They That's had, weird. They had one, I didn't even know they that. had one floor at, at CNN Center. And, and the reason they even moved in there was because it was part of the FCC regulation was that they had to have this space. Oh, okay. It was a legal thing and it was just like everyone was like, "Oh, we hate them. We hate Fox. We hate Rupert Murdoch." But I've always been fascinated with all that stuff. But we got to we got to wrap up. Okay. But Thank you so much. There's more. There's so much more to talk about with you, Rodney. Absolutely. You're such an amazing guest. Love having you here. Oh, thank you. And I uh, hope Evelyn does well for you. Oh, she's going to be great. She's coming over with Ms. Donna Lowry. Oh, yes. We Ms. love Donna these Lowry. ladies. Yes, former 11 Aliver. If you want to hang out and, and do a little, we're going to talk about binging. Um, not food either, <laughs> TV. I figure you're talking TV. Yep, yep. I do love donuts, though. But we're going to do that with them, so that'll great. be fun. And um, again, I'm Sarah. We're at the Lily Midtown with Girls on Film Podcast, and we are out.